Hello, friends. Off to a great start. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Field Guide to Body Language podcast. My name is Laurel. I am a movement analyst and body language nerd and also your host. Last episode, we talked about the intention of our movement, formerly known as effort. And this week, we're diving a little deeper into effort theory and talking about what effort elements look like in real life how the effort elements combine, and our personal movement preferences, which you could kind of think about as your body language dialect. Let's recap the previous episode quickly. Uh, We talked about the four elements of effort, time, weight, space, and flow. Each of these are on their own continuum between two polar opposites. Time effort is either acceleration or deceleration. Weight effort is either increasing pressure or decreasing pressure. Flow is either bound or free. Space is either direct or flexible. Also remember that each effort is only observable if the person in question is moving along the continuum. Just because someone is moving fast doesn't mean they're accelerating. They're just fast. Acceleration marks an increase in speed, not the speed itself. The opposite is true for deceleration. If someone moves slowly, they're not necessarily decelerating. They're just slow. What acceleration and deceleration mark is the change in speed, not the speed. Hopefully that'll jog your memory a bit. And if not, go back to episode three and give it a quick listen, or you can go to my website, fieldguidetobodylanguage.com and download the free intro class. Because once you have that foundation, it's going to make today's episode a little bit more approachable. Now that we've considered each of the elements individually, let's talk about real life because these are all part of a complex system and they don't just show up one at a time in a thoughtful and orderly manner and identify themselves. The effort elements will show up in different combinations with different partners or sometimes in a threesome, and they show up differently for different people in different circumstances. They can be fleeting and hard to see, and different people fluctuate on each continuum in a different way. And that's one of the reasons it's super important to remember that we have a system of body language that we are applying to individuals. We're not taking the movement of individual humans and trying to fit them into prescribed body language boxes. I fully realize how intimidating this can all sound, but if you approach it with a relaxed and open mind, you can see some amazing things. The first thing to consider is what it really looks like to travel along an effort continuum. I'm going to use weight as our example today. So we're going to talk about moving from increasing pressure to decreasing pressure or vice versa. In doing research for this episode, I was watching the 2019 Wimbledon match between Simona Halep, and hopefully I'm not butchering her last name, H-A-L-E-P, and Serena Williams. I think it's the final match, but I, I will link it in the show notes so you can check it out if you want. The first thing that struck me, um, because the first thing I had was actually a view of the audience and, um, clapping is a variation between increasing and decreasing pressure. You increase your pressure on the way into the clap and you decrease your pressure on the way out. And so if you watch the audience clap, you can see a repetitive movement along the weight continuum. The other moment of note is that as the players are swinging the racket to hit the ball, there's a big moment of increasing pressure leading up to the ball hitting the racket and a smaller moment of decreasing pressure in recovery. And this is a repetitive action. So you can see it over and over again. If you watch the video, a lot of increasing pressure, 
a little decreasing pressure, and then actually a hold on pressure before the whole cycle repeats itself. And that hold means that weight drops out for a moment and isn't technically observable. So just know that when you watch the video, that's what you're seeing. That's a really physical example, but we could also bring that into more subtle movements. And what I found to be the most interesting place to see subtle variations in weight is actually sermons. Please, please understand, I am certainly not condoning any specific church or the beliefs of any specific church, but pastors are actually in a unique position to be very passionate about what they're saying. And because they're so passionate and because they're so used to public speaking, they move really easily while they speak. So it's an interesting place to observe movement, especially weight. If you do a little YouTube search, you might find like a hellfire and brimstone sermon where the weight vacillation favors increasing pressure. And many of the pastors assumed postures and gestures are increasingly heavy and strong to help convey the weight of their message. Or you might find a more lighthearted sermon that focus on, focuses on redemption and airs more towards decreasing pressure. There are plenty of sermons available on YouTube, and I'm not comfortable linking any specific ones. So if you're curious about that, I'm just going to let you do your own search and see what you can find. If that's something that's going to trigger you, um, you can always watch them on mute because it, it doesn't matter what the words are that are coming out of your mouth. You're just going to watch them move. Um, if you do watch if you, if you don't put it on mute, you can also listen to the tone of their voice um, and see if their voice gets heavier or lighter. So just a couple of interesting thoughts. So those are two examples of how our expressed body language can alternate between increasing pressure and decreasing pressure and how that can show up in movements that are very physical, like playing a game of tennis and movements that are more subtle, like expressing yourself in public speaking. It's the same continuum of weight, just expressed in different bodily movements. Next, let's talk about how the effort elements pair up. It's rare to see just one effort element at a time. Usually you'll see two or three present in everyday movements. We really need a handful of things to keep us going about our daily lives. Consider the action of cleaning the dishes out of the dishwasher. This is a simple chore, but it's actually a very complex movement. Obviously, if I'm putting breakable dishes away, I need to be able to vary my flow, the amount of control I exhibit. But if I just use flow, I won't have the spatial attunement to actually get the dishes out of the dishwasher and into the appropriate cupboard. So I definitely need flow and space. If I just use flow and space, though, then I will be moving at an odd and robotically consistent pace. So I need to add time into the mix. And that's three of our four effort elements, and they will naturally adjust themselves in turn as I work through my task. Think about all the switches on a theater light board, like an old fashioned light board where you have to manually slide the knobs to adjust the lights. You might turn one up, another down, another one off completely, and then adjust them all again. The way we juggle effort elements in our body language is the same. One increases while another might decrease and yet another is in and out, not even consistently part of the picture. I am acutely aware of how complex this can all sound, but keep in mind that these are all things that your body already knows how to do. We're just putting names to the actions. So the next time you do a household task, try to observe the way you are moving and identify what effort elements are present. Even if you just identify one, you don't have to have a complete picture right out of the gate. Just start with one thing and see where that takes you.
On to the next thing. Earlier, I mentioned movement preferences or what we could call a body language dialect. Just as everyone looks different, has different fingerprints, different DNA, different personality traits, we also have our own movement preferences within effort that create a unique movement signature or body language dialect. It's important to recognize that our movement preferences are a part of who we are because they are observable to the outside world. They create impressions on those we interact with, and they color the way we perceive and respond to the body language of others. We're going to take a simple example here. Let's think of effort elements like a freezer full of flavors at the ice cream shop. All of the flavors are available and fully stocked, but I'm a diehard dark chocolate fudge brownie lover. Oh my gosh, it's so good. That doesn't mean I don't have a cone of strawberry or cookies and cream once in a while, but usually I gravitate towards my dark chocolate fudge brownie. Will I ever pick pistachio? Probably not. Will I be slightly confused by someone whose first choice is pistachio? Yes, I will. I'm a chocolate lover. And as a chocolate lover, I have a hard time understanding why anyone would prefer pistachio. But guess what? That pistachio lover is flabbergasted when I always pick chocolate. It's a two-way street. Now let's put that in terms of movement. All of the effort elements are available to me, but I tend to gravitate toward my, towards my favorites. I like bound flow. I like directness. Free flow and flexible space are available to me, but I feel more at home with bound flow and directness. That's going to influence the way I respond to someone who has different movement preferences than I do. I'm going to give you another example. When I'm leaving a party, I thank my host and leave. Two minutes max. I don't feel the need to have a parting conversation with anyone. I've already decided it's time to go and I'm out. My sister, on the other hand, does the quote long goodbye. She'll decide it's time to go, but then in her goodbye process, she'll take several moments to have nice conversations with people on her way out with loving expressions and hopes to meet up again soon and regrets about not being able to stay longer, which is like totally sweet and thoughtful. Um, and sometimes makes me feel like a jerk for leaving so quickly. If I'm being completely honest, because she's so thoughtful about it. The long and short of it is though, we leave the party in completely different ways. Neither one of us is wrong or right. We're just different, but this is something that because we differ so greatly, it leaves an opportunity for misunderstandings. So she might consider that my quick goodbye was not efficient, but rude. And I might think that she was having second thoughts about leaving because it takes her so long to get out the door. Neither of those misconceptions are true. We just have different movement preferences. I accelerate my goodbyes and she decelerates hers. If we're aware that we just have different preferences here, we can avoid a lot of misunderstanding. What I find very interesting is what gives us our unique body language dialects our family, our personal history and our experiences, our likes and our dislikes, our physical traits and our personality all play a part in shaping how we speak through our body language. Our movement history is literally written into our brains as they grow. Unlike other mammals who are born with fully developed brains and are mobile within a few hours of their birth, humans are born with a brain that isn't fully developed yet. And our brains grow as we learn to move. There is a bunch of neuroscience research in my future for an episode centering around this concept. So I'm not going to spoil it all right now, but just know that this deep dive is super fascinating and it's coming with all of these elements in play. Now the question is how do we figure out what our movement preferences are? 
Maybe you're one of those people who just intrinsically knows. We were walking through the effort elements earlier and you could pick out your preferences then and there. Go you. But if you're not used to looking at movement or paying attention to your own movement, it can be especially difficult, but not impossible, to figure out what your movement preferences are. Here are a couple of suggestions. One, try them on for size. Go through each of the effort elements listed above and see what feels the most natural for you. You can use your hands, a drum on the table, find a consistent speed, and then accelerate until you can't go any faster. What does that acceleration make you feel like? Do you feel exhilarated or stressed? Try it again, but this time, instead of accelerating, make your drumming increase in weight. Do you feel powerful or exhausted? Keep going until you've tried all of the elements and make note of how each one of them made you feel. That's one idea. Two, you can video yourself. Weird, I know, but it can be really informative to watch yourself move. Three, ask your friends. If you have a friend who's good at doing impersonations, ask them to do an impersonation of you. A good impersonation often highlights movement characteristics the way a caricature drawing highlights physical attributes. Slight tangent here, actually. Um, Watching impersonations can be a really good way to looking at body language. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to the PBS coverage of the final 2016 presidential debate, as well as the following SNL skit that covered it. Obviously, if that's triggering for you, don't watch it. Um, But politics aside, this set of videos offers three very distinct movement personalities, the two candidates, as well as the moderator. And they're all covered by talented actors, Kate McKinnon, Alec Baldwin, and Tom Hanks. So there's a lot of opportunity here to see what the candidates and the moderator are doing authentically and look at how the actors can pick up on it and kind of feed it back to us in an amplified manner. Getting back on track now, the last thing you might try to start teasing out your body language dialect is to observe your family. Movements are passed down biologically and developmentally. So watching your parents, your guardians, your siblings, or even your children move can give you pieces of the puzzle. That's it, friends. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know we covered a lot of things that can get a little intense and prickly, but you made it to the end. As always, if you have questions, email or DM me. I'm at Laurel Foley on Instagram. And my email address is laurel at fieldguidetobodylanguage.com. So if you have a few moments, um, please leave a review or share this with someone you think might find it interesting or insightful. Have an excellent week. 